Hallelujah. We are going to get started, everybody. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shalom Aleichem. And Tzahoraim Tovim. Good afternoon to everyone. This wonderful, beautiful afternoon. Today, we are going to be studying Parashat Lech Lecha. Everybody say Lech Lecha. And so we are going to be in Breshit chapter 12, that's Genesis 12 and verse 1. Before we start, we got to pray the blessing. Every time we um, study the Torah, not just together formally here, but at home when we're on our own, we have to pray the bracha before we begin. Otherwise, we're just reading another book. I don't need to pray a bracha to read Time Magazine. Right to read some some post on the internet on social media, I do need though to separate that from the Torah. Amen. And that's what we do here as we pray the, the blessing. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring, the offspring of your people, the house of Israel. All of us know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Bimru? Hallelujah. Breshit, chapter 12 and verse 1, says this. Vayomer Adonai el Avram lech lecha. That's the title of the parashat. Hashem said to Avram, go for yourself. That's what lech lecha means. Go for yourself. From your land, from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you, I will curse. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you. So Avram went, went as Hashem had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Avram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Avram took his wife Sarai and Lot, his brother's son, and all their wealth that they had amassed. And the souls they made. Everybody say the souls they made in Haran. And they left to go to the land of Canaan and they came to the land of Canaan, which would later become Israel, the promised land. So today we're going to be focusing on the Midrash Shabbat. Amen. Today... Majority is from the Midrash Rabbah. According to Breshit Rabbah, that's the Midrash Rabbah for Breshit, for Genesis. In chapter 39, Siman 13 through 15. Rabbi Eliezer ben Zimra said, If all the inhabitants of the world, how many people are in the world? How many billion people? Does anybody know? Six billion? Seven, six, seven billion people. Masumets, right? What was that? 7.6 bit. Look at that. Ooh, precise over there. Seven point, so if you need stats, you know who to go to. At the end, right over there. <laughs> He's their statistician. Seven point, there's 7.6 million people, billion people in the world today. Billion. If we were to get all those inhabitants together, and they were to all create even one gnat, if you're going to create something, please don't create a gnat. You know what a gnat is? Those little bugs that... You know, whenever you throw like a banana peel somewhere and it's there for like a week, gnats come out. These little bugs and they're just, they're like, little, they're like mini flies. They just bother you. 
But if everyone, the Midrash says, if everyone were to create a gnat, find some way to create something, to create a gnat, awesome. But they could never inject the breath of life into it. They can't. Only Hashem can do that. Listen. But yet you say in this verse, the souls that they made. So people can't even make, I mean, I guess you can make a gnat, right? You can clone a gnat, but you can't give it the breath of life. Then how can it say here that they made, and that word is asu, made is asu in the Hebrew. That's where we get the word oseh. Shalom. Oseh, shalom. May he who makes peace. Asu, makes. How can we say that in the scriptures? Rather, these souls are the proselytes that they had converted to faith in God. You catch that? They didn't make, they didn't make a soul, literally. They converted idolaters to faith in God. But if it is so that the verse speaks of idolaters whom they converted, why did this say, why does it say that they made asu, the Hebrew word asu the souls? The Midrash continues. This is to teach you that anyone who brings an idolater close to God and converts him, listen, listen right here. It is as if he had created the person. Wow. That's powerful. Listen, the Oral Torah, the Midrash Shabbat is the oral, part of the Oral Torah. The, the Oral Torah is specifying the enormous role conversion has always had in Judaism. Since ancient days, since the days of Abraham. Or Avram, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's not Avraham yet. Okay, he's Avram. Okay? But yet today in modern Judaism, we don't see that. We see a resistance to that. There's reasons behind that. Legitimate reasons, right? Fear is one, right? Fear of persecution, you know, allowing people in and, you know, persecution. Uh, I think that's a valid fear, <laughs> especially in our day, our day today, right? But nonetheless, despite that, we are called to walk in the steps of Avram. Amen? If that is the case, then we need to do what he did, right? And what did he do? He made souls. He created new people. How? By converting them. But if so, then shouldn't it say those souls that he made? You ladies are going to like this one. But it didn't say that. It says the souls, the souls that they made. Not in the singular, but in the plural. Rabbi Al-Hunaz explains, Avram would convert the men and Sarai would convert the women. Tag team, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Friends, even in our outreach to the lost, we are to remain modest at all times, to keep ourselves pure and avoid inappropriate appearances all, at all times. We should not be in a private room, male with female, witnessing Enemy is always lurking. He never rests. He will turn your good deed into something wicked. 
So we always got to be careful. Abraham, he said, ladies, go with my wife. Men, come here. Come here, bruh. Come here, guys. Come on, brohim. Come on over here, right? And, and there we go. And then he'd start to witness, and then they'd convert. And she would start to witness, and they would convert. Look at that. And they, they would make souls. Amazing. In addition to this, the Gemara, this is part of the Talmud in Sanhedrin 19b, states that one person who teaches another person Torah is considered as if he had born that person, as if he had created the person. So we have the Midrash Shabbat and the Talmud saying the exact same thing. Yefet Torah adds that by instilling in a person the Torah's ideals that were previously unknown to him or to her. One makes that person's soul. In essence, giving birth to a new person. Do we need any more? Does that not sound familiar? 2 Corinthians. Let me remind you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The letter that Shaul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Mashiach, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when we, read, when we heard that in Sunday school, when we were growing up in the church, right? The preacher preached, and we're all excited. We're like, wow, this is new revelation. This is so amazing. Oh, my gosh, how did you come up with this stuff? Uh, it's already been since the beginning of time. <laughs> since the Talmud, since the Midrash Abba. Nothing new. Let me give you another one. First Kepha, 1.3. First Peter, 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Mashiach. In His great mercy, He caused us to be born again. What happens when you're born again? Guess what? You become a new creature. To a living hope through the resurrection of Mashiach Yeshua from the dead. Friends, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it probably next week and next month and next year. Bezrah Hashem, right? If we're still here. With God's help. There's nothing chadash. Everybody say chadash. Chadash means new. There's nothing chadash in a brit chadasha. What's brit chadasha? The new, the new covenant, the New Testament, quote unquote. There's nothing new there. Nothing. Not a single thing. And you know what? That's a good thing. You know why? If there was something new in there, that means there's something wrong with the Torah. Right? It needs to be fixed. Absolutely nothing new in the New Testament. To become a new creation by being born again, which means to convert, is an ancient Jewish concept. Friends, when was the oral, sorry, when was the written Torah given? Pop quiz, at Sinai, on Shavuot, at Mount Sinai, right? But you know what else was given at the same time? The oral Torah was given, not just the written, but the oral. So, the oral Torah was given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. But listen, you're going to have people, if you talk about that, you're going to people say, ah, no, that's not true, because the Mishnah was not written to the year 200. I got you. You're absolutely right. And guess what? The Midrash Shabbat, you know when it was written? The year 300. The Talmud, in its completion, with the Mishnah and the Gemara together, was not written until 500. So yeah, they're right. But... Was it the written Torah? Or was it the oral Torah? 
Since when? Sinai. You hear what I'm saying? So why all of a sudden, instead of passing it down orally, why did they switch to writing it down? Why, why would they do that? What happened after the year 70? At the end of the year 70, the destruction of the temple, destruction of Jerusalem, destruction of our, our people, and our expulsion. We were scattered throughout the four corners of the earth. We got to write this down. Because now all of a sudden we're scattered all over the place. Before we were together and we could keep it oral. Make sense? But now we're everywhere. We got to keep it something set in stone. Right? So, making souls, which means making disciples, through conversion to Judaism, this is what Avram and Sarai did and guess what? This is what we are supposed to do as well. No amen, sir? <laughs> Look at 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. Uh, Shaul's letter to his Talmud, his disciple, Timothy. He says, Paul, an emissary, an emissary of Messiah Yeshua, by the command of God our Savior and Messiah Yeshua, our hope. Verse 2. To Timothy, a true child in faith. Um, he was not five years old. Okay? He was a grown man. Timothy was a grown man when receiving this letter. Okay? Uh, why does Shaul call him a child? Guess what he did? He made Timothy. How did he make him? He converted him to Judaism in Yeshua. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Let me give you a little bit more. We're going to go to Bereshit 14. That's Genesis 14, and we're going to start with verse 11. Bereshit 14, 11. It says this. They seized all the wealth of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and they departed. So this is, uh, we had a battle going on of five kings versus four kings. The four kings beat the five kings. Okay. And they, among those that they captured was Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what happened later with Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Verse 12. And they captured Lot. That's the biggie right there. They captured Lot and his possessions, uh, Avram's nephew, and they left for he was residing in Sodom. So I'm getting a little ahead here. And we're going to back up. We're like uh, in, in those TV shows that, you know, go forward and backward and forward and present time. And, you know, all, where are we? <laughs> so we went forward a little bit. We're now going to come back a little bit. But just... Spoiler, Avram and Lot separated. Okay, This is after the separation. We're going to go back to the separation in just a moment. Verse 13. Avram, I'm sorry. Then there came the fugitive and told Avram the Ivri. Everybody say the Ivri. It means the Hebrew. It's very important. We're going to expand on that right now. Who dwelt in the plains of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshkol, and the brother of Aner, these being Avram's allies. And when Avram heard that his kinsman was taken captive, he armed his disciples who had been born in his house. Did you catch that? His disciples who had been born in his house. How many? 318. So Sarai had 313 babies? No, she didn't have 318 babies. He made 318 New creations through conversion 
to Judaism. And those 318, what's, what's going to happen? He's going to team up with them, and they're going to go after Lot. They're going to go rescue Lot. And he pursued them as far as Dan. And he, with his servants, deployed against them at night and struck them. He pursued them as far as Hobah, which is in the north of Damascus. He brought back all the possessions. He also brought back his kinsmen, Lot, with his possessions, as well as the women and the people. Four armies versus 318 men. Well, 319 with Avram. Four armies. 319. And you know what the, the, uh, the Talmud teaches us? He didn't lose a single one. I don't even have time to get into that, but there's a whole lot there. But the point is, once again, we're being told that Avram made new creations. They were literally, not literally, they were born in his house. Think of it. Imagine inviting people over to your home, right? Which was what Avram would always do. And what people would he invite? Everyone's an idolater. <laughs> he doesn't have any fellow Jews around, right? Except his wife. And so everyone he's inviting is an idolater. Hey, come here. Let me talk to you about something. Yeah, what's going on? Let me have you heard about the one true God? What? There's like 2,000 last I checked. Oh, no, 2001. There was a new one, <laughs> Right? And he's talking, talking about the one true God, and they're converting. And they're like, can I just stay with you? <laughs> can I just hang out with you all the time? Yeah, go for it. Sounds, sounds like Yeshua, doesn't it? A little bit. Now, according to Breshit Rabbah, 42 Siman 8. Siman means like verse. 42, chapter 42, verse 8, basically. Rabbi Yehuda said, the Torah refers to Avram as the Hebrew. Ha-Ivri. Ha is the Ivri is Hebrew. Because the entire world was on one side. Ivri comes from the, the Hebrew word Ever. You, you hear the similarity? Ivri, Ever. Ivri, Ever. What does Ever mean? Side. It means side. The entire world was on one side on the debate of idolatry. Yes, there's 2,001 gods or 20,000 or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Avram was on the other side. That's why he's called the Ha'ivri, the Hebrew. He's on the other side. Now, on a Peshat level, on the basic level that, you can, that they're learning in, in, in there, the kids are learning, that any child can understand. This can simply mean that Avram left Ur of the Chaldeans and he went to Haran. He went along the Euphrates. Here's the Euphrates. He went along the Euphrates. Then he camped out at, Har at, uh, at Haran, which is on this, on the, what is it, west? East side of the Euphrates River. But then, what does he do? Now he goes to the other side of the river to Canaan, because Canaan's over here, the promised land. You see that? Here, here, here. I mean, okay, cool. That makes sense on the Peshat level. Ah, uh, but we don't just stay at the shot level. We'll go deeper. Right, we'll go deeper. The sages understand this to mean that Avram and Sarai were ready to stand on the other side of idolatry by proclaiming the one true God. And you know who stood with them? At the beginning, especially, nobody. <laughs> of course, Hashem. Duh, everybody knows that. But there's no backup. They're like, 
Where's my backup at? I don't got no backup. We're on our own. Babe, we're on our own. But they still stood there. Ivrit, Ivrit. See, although in time they made many Talmudim. He made 318. Who knows how many she made? Imagine if they all had wives. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't all have wives. But imagine if they all had wives. 318 women. How cool would that be? And the kids? Oh, man. Anyway. Although they made many Talmudim, many disciples. They were actually all alone in their stand against the culture of the entire world. Does anybody ever feel like you're the only one who's psycho enough? Or as, as, my, as my wife, when I, when I started dating my wife, I had to learn a new language. Because they, they, they would say all kinds of strange terms for stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And one of their terms was psyka. Right? They would call, a girl would call another girl, a sister would call another sister. psyka <laughs> tu? Like, you're crazy, right? You're crazy. Not literally like you're psycho, like you need to go in the hospital. Or just, no, just like, you know, you're psycho, right? You're just a little, you're a little off. It's just a, a term of endearment, so to speak. Yeah. But does anybody ever feel, because I feel like, like I'm the only psychopath that's psycho enough to convert to Judaism while at the same time believing that Yeshua is a Mashiach. Right? You're like, what? <laughs> so you're not Christian? No, but you believe in Yeshua? Yeah. Okay. You're Jewish? Yes. You. Brit Milah? Circumcision? Tevilah? Yeah. You went all the way and you still believe in Yeshua? What? <laughs> like, you know, if you ever feel like that, then more likely it's because you are the only psycho. <laughs> or the only, you are the only psycho in your vicinity that's crazy enough, that loves God enough. So what I mean by crazy is, I'm so crazy in love with God. Oh, Crickets here. <laughs> is anybody else crazy in love with God? Or is it just me? I'm so crazy in love. I'm madly in love with Him. That, you know what? It's cool. It's okay. I understand. I'm not, in, in others' eyes, I am a psycho. As long as I don't act psycho, <laughs> then we're going to be fine, right? Now, I remember, year, uh, I don't know, it was this past year, there was a funeral that we, we, uh, we attended, a funeral service in the evening, for a lady that um, I grew up, you know, I grew up and she was, you know, part of the church that I, I, I was raised in. And then she passed, unfortunately. Um, she was of age. Um, and so we went to the funeral, right? And, well, I'm just like this. Not with this. <laughs> I'm not going... <laughs> I'm not going with this at night, right, or to a funeral. But, I mean, I've got my kippah on, right? I've got my talit katan, the tzitzit hanging out and everything, right? And I'm dressing like I dress all the time. I'm going to change. And uh, this stands out, too, right? <laughs> so we're in a parking lot. I'm not, I'm not even inside yet. 
And you got to understand that I grew up in this church, okay? Fully shaved, right? No hats, nothing, dressed like, you know, whatever, T-shirt and jeans, you know, whatever, right? Not dressed like this. And I'm in a parking lot, and a former leader of mine sees me coming, right? And I'm, I'm smiling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I haven't, I'm thinking, I haven't seen you in years, I respect these people, right? And I'm smiling. And go, I'm just about to go up to him. And he goes, Ahí viene el rabino. Here comes the rabbi. But not, it was not a compliment. <laughs> it was a, with a sarcastic tone. And I was like, oh, wow. I haven't even, that's, that's how it's going to roll. <laughs> I haven't even gotten in yet. Oh, I said, okay. I still was cordial. Still shook hands. Said, hi, how are you? Still said, had my smile as best as I could, right? Go inside. Um, the last time they saw me, <laughs> I was a little punk kid, right? And now you're like, I'm like, hi, hi. I'm like, I know they're looking at me like a psycho. I know it, I know it, I know it. And I'm smiling, and I'm just smiling away, boys. Just smiling away, right? I'm just hugging and whatever, you know, hey, how, how you been, whatever, whatever, good, and they're not looking at my eyes, they're just looking up here, <laughs> good, and they're like, good, and then they're looking down, and, right, you're like, whatever, it's okay, I understand, I understand, and what was amazing to me, at the end of the funeral, we're, we're sitting down, and uh, we're sitting by the aisle, right in the middle of the, of the place, of the funeral home, and then they invited everybody that wants to come up and do their pesame, right, to give their, their condolences to the family. And so there was this whole line of people, right? And so we had already given our, our, our pesame at the beginning, right, our condolences to the family. And we're about to leave, and then I turn, and I see another former leader of mine from another church, another pastor, right, that I had been ordained under his ministry and everything. He was staying right next to me, right? And I turn, and he's just sizing me up, right? And I go, and I saw it, but I'm like, hi! And I went like this, and he goes, hi. And he just turns like this, right? And I'm like, dude, I, we, we went to war together, man! <laughs> you know what I mean? I had war scars fighting alongside you, right? And then, hey, it comes with a program. It comes with the territory. Ivri, on the other side. It's the bottom line. Are we willing to endure that? That's, friends, let me tell you, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to the days of the Spanish Inquisition. The days when all Jews were expelled from England. The days of the Holocaust. Nothing. Just a little taste. Are we willing to go there. But yet, listen, Abraham and Sarai, they looked at each other and they're like, we got each other. But you know what you have? Look around you. Literally, look, around, look to your left, look to your right. You got a whole army here. Isn't that awesome? You are not alone. You may feel it, but you're never alone. You're just a text message away. You're just a phone call away. Yeah, we may live, you know, far apart, kind of, right? But we come together on Shabbat, we come, <clears throat> we come together on Yom Tov, we come together, and we meet outside of here, and all, and, and, 
if we can't reach each other, hey, there's always that text message. There's always that phone. You always got somebody. We're not alone in our aloneness. <laughs> Shemot 3.18. That's wrong. Shemot 3.18. Exodus 3.18. I'm just going to read that real quick. Exodus 3.18 says this. They will heed your voice. You and the elders of Israel shall come to the king of Egypt. Little context here. Hashem is, a, is talking to Moshe about to send him into Egypt. Okay. Uh, and you will say to him, excuse me, Hashem, the God of the Hebrews. Ivrim. The God of the Ivrim. There's that word again. Happened upon us, and now please us go. Let us go on a three-day journey in the wilderness, and so on and so forth. So, Rabbi Hirsch points out that Moshe called Hashem the God of the Ivrim, the God of the Hebrews, to teach that every Jew has the ability to be an Ivri, to be a Hebrew. Don't go around saying I'm a Hebrew. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. You're a Jew, okay? There's a lot of weirdness out there, guys. Okay, a lot of, a lot of weirdness. Um, to teach that every Jew has the ability to be an Ivri, to stand alone on the other side of a perverse world because God is with us. The God of the people that are on the other side. The God of the Ivrim. You may or may not be aware of what's been going on in our country uh, the past few weeks regarding anti-Semitism. Um, a, a couple of famous people, one named Ye, I thought, his, I thought that was another person, and Kanye West was another person. It's the same person. Apparently he changed his name. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ye, um, for years, has been expounding anti-Semitic rhetoric, and uh, he was a big fan of Mein Kampf, the book of Hitler's book. Big fan of Hitler. Um, I mean, spewing all kinds of nonsense about Jews are taking over the world, and you know that typical. It should not surprise us. It's been around forever, and it's not going away. Okay. So he's spewing all these things, right? He, he loses endorsements. He loses all kinds of money and kinds of business record deals and what have you, right? Which is good. That's good. But now this week, we had another guy, a famous basketball player named Kyrie Irving. I'm sure you guys have heard of him. If you haven't, just uh, tonight after Havdalah, you guys can Google Kyrie Irving. What did he say? Right? Boom, you'll get all kinds of stuff. He, he posted on his Twitter account a link to a movie that denies the Holocaust ever happened. Just with that alone, you're like, really? <laughs> like, okay. Not just that, but all kinds of anti-Semitic material, right? Typical stuff in line with what Kanye West or Ye, you know, was, was uh, believing. So he's called on it. He's like, hey, yo, what, what happened there? And he's, and he's defending himself. He's saying, no, 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 whatever. He, he's just deflecting the questions. 
he goes on a press conference the, the next day and uh, he's still saying, no, 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 whatever. He's just defending himself, all kinds of, all kinds of, like, he's like all over the place. I'm listening to all of this. I'm like, what? Somebody ask him point blank, are you anti-Semitic? You know, I can't be anti-Semitic if I know where my people come from. What? What does that mean? Yes or no? Right? Never said anything. Days pass. His team suspends him for five days. Right? He loses, uh, I just uh, read uh, yesterday, late yesterday, that Nike cut, cut ties with him. So he lost all kinds of money. Right? Which is good. He should. But, um, he finally comes out on a tweet and says, I apologize. I'm sorry. After all this. Right? <laughs> of course. Right? Um, but listen, I was listening to all this stuff. And it was just a reminder. You are an Ivri. Okay? You may live in a, in, in a country that espouses freedom of religion, right? And yes, I can wear this to work. I can wear this everywhere I want. Right? Um, but who knows how long, how long that's going to be? How long that's going to last? You go to European countries, you can't do that. You can't go to that. You can't do that in France. I can't wear a keeper in France. I can't wear TT in France. Certain countries like that. But it's a reminder that you're, you're on the other side. You may feel like accepted, but you're never really accepted. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's what we need to be aware of when we convert. When we're considering conversion. Right? We can't be. Yeah, I'm going to convert. Yay, it's so exciting. It's cool Jewish stuff. Yay, like candles and all kinds of, and challah, yay, and, and wine. I get to drink. Party, yay. But then one day, one day, are you Jewish with a gun in your face? Right? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not saying that that's what's happening. But the point is, that we are on the other side. You cannot get too comfortable. This is not our home. This is not our home. Jerusalem is our home. And I'm not just talking about the Jerusalem of now. Okay? You, we, we can go there. We can't move there. We can't move there permanently. We can go and visit. Right? And yes, that's Jerusalem. That's great. And there's part of the temple. There's a wall. Temple Mount is there. The temple's not there. Right? One day that will be our home. We'll go home. Yeshua's going to come back and bring us home from the four corners of the earth. When we bring our tzitzit together, right? And we hold them in our two hands during the Shema and we kiss the tzitzit, we're kissing the fact that, oh, we can't wait for the day that we get to go home from the four corners of the earth. Because we're not home. We're on the other side. But listen, despite all that, and again, friends, this, this kind of rhetoric is not going to stop. It's not going to go away. So don't be surprised. I, I, didn't, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't, did somebody say something against Jews? I, really? <laughs> but listen, Hashem does not need a majority. Let me repeat that. Hashem does not need a majority. He only needed one couple 
a man and his wife. Willing to remain loyal to his mitzvot, loyal to his commandments, loyal to his promises, and Hashem said, die. What? Die? No, not, not D-I-E. D-A-I. Die, die, yenu. That is enough. Die means enough in Hebrew. That's all I need. I can work with you. All of a sudden, you got 318. Plus wives or children or whatever. 13. I told you I was gonna, we we're going to go back. We're going to go back in time. Rewind. 13. But it's sheet 13, verse 8. Isn't that what it says? This is a separation of Lot and Avram. So Avram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between me and you and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Just a little backdrop. The herdsmen were going at each other, complaining. There's a whole lot in the Midrash about that. I don't got time to get into. Verse 9. Is not all the land before you? Please separate from me. If you go left, then I will go right. If you go right, then I will go left. So Lot raised his eyes and saw the entire plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before Hashem destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of Hashem, like the land of Egypt, going towards Zoar. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed from the east. Thus they parted one from his brother. So they're parting. Verse 14. Hashem said to Avram, after Lot. Everybody say, after Lot. Why after Lot? Listen. Hashem said to Avram, after Lot had parted from him. Now that he's gone, now Avram, raise now your eyes and look out from where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land that you see to you will I give it, and to your descendants forever I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, then your offspring too can be counted. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for to you will I give it. And Avram moved his tent and came and dwelled in the plains of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built there an altar to Hashem. So he moved into the promised land. But listen, according to Or HaKaim now, I'm going to expand from Or HaKaim. Hashem had been waiting for the moment when Lot would separate from Avram in order to show him Eretz Yisrael. In the beginning, chapter 12, the Torah tells us that Avram left Haran, right? He left his homeland. And Lot went with him. He didn't, he wasn't invited. Era chicle. He was bubblegum. And Avram was the kindest of the kindest people. He, he helped raise Lot. He was not about to tell him, stay home. He was too kind. And plus, you know what the, the Midrash tells us? He foresaw, Hashem showed him, from Lot is going to come the Mashiach. What are you talking about? Yeah. From Lot comes Moab. Who's a Moabites? That's part of the lineage of Yeshua HaMashiach. Root. He foresaw that. Whew. That stuff gives me chills. My goodness. Now, 
But yet Hashem was like, yeah, I, under- I got it. But still. Lech lecha. Go for yourself. You. In his first communication, he said, go to the land that I will show you. See, I, I remember a time. I was uh, on staff. I was a, an associate pastor at a congregation. We had a large staff, a bunch of pastors. And um, one Sunday morning, every Sunday morning before service, we would go to the, to the office of the main leader, right? It was a big office, beautiful office. We'd spend time, we'd have a little breakfast, just kind of game plan, that kind of thing, whatever. And... Um, so I'm doing, I would do every Sunday morning. So I open the door, I go in. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There was somebody standing at the door this time. One of the associates, one of the other associates. And he said, hey, uh, hey bro, just so you know, um, you know, our, our, our leader, he, he wants, you know, just this certain group of, of leaders to be in here. So if you don't mind standing out here and just, you know, whatever other leaders come, because there was other staff members, just ask them, you know, if they could wait outside or whatever. And I said, sure, okay. And he walks in, I'm like, I'm like, you, am I being left out? Are you sick? Oh, no, sir. And so, yo, I was young and stupid, right? I was young and just dumb. I open the door and I go in, <laughs> right? I go in and they're there, right? They're about to have their, their, their talk or whatever. The main leader's there. And he gets up. He himself gets up, comes up to me. And with a big smile, he says, hey, Brace, how you doing, bro? Hey, good morning. Hey, do me a favor. Would you mind standing at the door? Real kind. And just, you know, keep everybody out because, you know, we've we got to talk about some se- sensitive stuff right now. And I said, oh, I am being left out. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, sure, you got it. So I go and I had to tell the other pastors coming in, sorry, they're having a meeting. <laughs> and they're like, I'm being left out, right? Everybody's being left out, right? And he, the leader shared his secrets, some secret information with that group. Except for me and other staff members, right? I was not part of the inner circle. I was a guard at the door. Right? It's the same scenario. Hashem was like, hey, Avram, I got some information for your eyes only. I can't show it to you with Chicle over here. I can't show, I love Lot. And, and, I mean, Hashem knows. Are you going to rescue him and everything, right? The Mashiach is going to come through him. All that. Yes. Great. But I cannot show him. It's for you in your eyes only. Lech lecha. Go for yourself. That word, lech, those words, lech lecha, specifically the word lecha, is you in the masculine singular form. You catch that? Not in the Plural. For your eyes only, Abraham. And he said, go for, in chapter 12, verse 1, go for yourself, lech lecha, from your land, from your relatives. Is that not Lot? Go from your relatives. Only after you have gone for yourself and parted, not only from your land, but also from your relatives, which includes Lot, is when I will show you the land. A promise. But again, Abraham was kind. And so should we. 
See, one of the th- toughest things to do, understanding all the context of what we're talking about today, about being in a V, being on the other side, being alone, being the only psycho, psycho, right? One of the toughest things to do, toughest things to do is to part from the customs of the family. But not just part, but to part from them with kindness. That's even harder. Right? So we can be mean and, and, and uh, be like, I hate the church, and eh, eh, right? They deceive me, and they're deceiving you. And, you know, I mean, we can be like that, and who wants to be around someone like that? How are you going to make souls like that? How are you going to make new creations like that? Of being, you know, mean. No one wants to be around a mean person. How do we do this kindly? With soft words. But at the same time, we do part. Right? We, we, we have to part from what? Unkosher meals. From the church. From events on Shabbat. Everybody, is it me or does everybody plan everything on Shabbat? <laughs> everything on Shabbat. Do you know, friends? Listen. A little side note here. Little extra. I won't charge you for this one. Plus, it's Shabbat and I can't charge you anyways. So, um, I was a coach for 11 years. I was a football coach, basketball track coach. So, football season just passed for us in junior high. Our games were always on Mondays. Monday, uh, Mondays at 5.30. Without fail. Mondays, Mondays, Mondays. Cool. Um, are you having Saturday practice, coach? No, sir. <laughs> And I'm the head coach, so I, I, I had to say, nope, only in the weekdays. Cool, right? And then I get sick, and, you know, I don't have the strength. And I, I lasted, last year, in this, I lasted half the season, and I was shut down. My body shut down on me, right? So I said, hey, uh, I, I can't be a coach anymore. Is there a way we can work things out? And by God's grace, with his help, I, the, the Psalms say, he will surround you with favor as with a shield. Oh, did I feel that? I did not have to. It's supposed to be like a, a, an enormous task to switch your, your, your contract from being a coach to being a non-coach. I didn't lift a finger. I didn't make a phone call. I just spoke to my head coach and my principal. It's done, Cedar. You got it. You're good. Wow. And then what happens? We switch to a different district. That guess when they play? Saturday morning. how Hashem works. It's amazing. Something bad in me turned out to be something good. Isn't that amazing? No amens there? Okay. <laughs> right? How do, we, how do we separate kindly? And everything I had to do with kindness, all of this had to be with kindness and with tact and with precision and with timing. I wasn't demanding, I'm a Jew and I will not work I, and thus says the Lord. I, was, I can't do that. Come on now. I have my rights. Come on. Come on. Matityahu 10.37. Matthew 10.37. Yeshua says this. He who loves father or mother more than me. A lot of times we read that and we think, oh, I can't love my mother or my father because they're not believers. Pump the brakes. He who loves father or mother more than. You got to love your father and mother. Otherwise, he's, breaking a, he's telling you to break a commandment. Honor your father and your mother. He would never do that. 
But he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's the words in Yeshua. In our journey with in Judaism, it's been it's been a journey with family. And, I, and and I'm just talking about family. Now we're talking about friends, at friends, right? At coworkers, at neighbors, at the whole world. But right now I'm just focusing on family, because that's the toughest one. Because those guys we see them, you know, once in a while. Family is all the time. So With family, how do I tell my my family I ain't showing up to Christmas no more. I ain't showing up to New Year's no more. I ain't showing up to your Easter egg hunts no more. How do I do that with kindness? Hard. You do that little by little. I would do a little. I would. The little comments here and there, right? Little comments. I'd be around my mom, for example, right? Other family members. I'd say a little comment, right, about Judaism. Something small. Oh. Two weeks later, another little comment. Get him used to it. Oh, this guy is not a Christian no more. This guy is on the other side. Right? Little by little by little. And then finally, we have a sit down. Mom, and I go into all the, you know, the good things first, right? Oh, I loved all the times that we had together, you know, during these holidays. and Right? You start off with good, right? The praise. And then, and, you know, we're all smiling. And then, and I just want to let you know. And we start having that honest conversation. Right? Tears come. Oh, that's the worst, right? Tears. Oh, no, stop crying. No. But, 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 but. I'm sorry. I'm not going to come anymore. So you can't accept prayers. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you hear my tone? Not, thus says the Lord. Am I really sorry? No, I'm not sorry for following the commandments. But I'm sorry that, I, what am I sorry about? I'm sorry that I'm hurting you. That's what I'm sorry about. I don't mean, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt any of my family. Right? And then comes the kosher thing now. <laughs> right? Otra cosa? <laughs> Another thing? Right? I'm sorry, mom. My mom would always take us out to dinner, out, out to lunch, dinner, you know, out to restaurants, right? Sorry, mom. I'm sorry. Uh, why don't you come over? Why don't you come over? You know, we're going to cook uh, an awesome, I'm going to do a cookout. Okay. Right? Turn it around. <laughs> right? But eventually, guess what? Sorry, mom. I don't go out to eat anymore. Pero por qué? And I'm explaining kosher. I bet it, had I already explained kosher? Yes. Little by little by little by little. And now, oh, you're not going out. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Okay? And there's more, to, there's more to that, but I don't have time to get into that anymore. The point I'm trying to get at is this. That we have to be careful how we treat potential new creations. They're all around us. And if we are repellent, like instinct repellent, right? We're just with self-righteousness. And do you see my tzitzit? You know, I doubled them up and they're super, I'm tripping on them. Like, you know what I mean? Do you see my kippah? It's like covering, it's like a helmet now. I got my mouthpiece and everything. (laughs) You know, like, we got to understand that, hey, you and I, it wasn't too long ago that we weren't doing the same thing. And we got to keep ourselves from pride, from arrogance, from being a person with a frown all the time because you're not keeping kosher. Oh my gosh. You're not wearing a kippah. Oh my gosh. You're not a Jew. Oh my. With that attitude. And we don't have to say it. Do you know that? Do you know that? I think the percentage, I think it's like 90%, 80 to 90% of our communication is not our words, it's our body language. We can easily say, oh my gosh, just by doing this. We don't say a word. And they know, oh, there's something wrong with me. Oh, he's mean. Let me go talk to her. Right? I just want to encourage you today. You're on the other side. You're not alone. You have Hashem on your side. You have all of us here. Awesome! But friends, look, look to your left and to your right. Look to your left and to your right. Are there empty seats? There's empty seats. But you know where it all starts. You know where it all starts, friends? You know where that kindness comes from? It's not from you. It's not from deep within. This is where it comes from. Prayer. Do you pray for them? Do you pray for that relative? Do you pray? Friends, I can't tell you how much prayer I do before I talk to my mom, before I talk to her relative, before I talk to so-and-so. I got to season that in prayer for a while. And then I'll feel the green light. I'm like, okay, now it's time. And I'm like, I want to. No, not. Ah, stop. Not yet. Okay, I'll wait. Prayer. Because through prayer comes, you know what? Compassion, love, and kindness. But when we just launch off, we just launch into our spiels and our, and our sermons, right? Now there's no kindness. I want to encourage you. Season your potential new creations. Season them in prayer. You'll be surprised how much compassion and love, how you'll see from their point of view too. And have understanding. And now, their hearts will be, I don't know, everybody does this right now. <laughs> their hearts will be open. Right? Their hearts will be open. Isn't God good? God was so good to you. God was so good to me. Let's be good to all those around us. That we may make new creations. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you for all that you have taught us today. Father, give us a a heart like Avram, Father, of kindness, of love, of compassion for those that are are 
not following you, that don't even know you, that couldn't care less about you. And remind us, Lord, that we were there at one point in time. Give us a heart, Father, to pray, a desire to pray for them by name, specifically, Lord. And open doors, Father, for us to witness, Father, out of an attitude of kindness, of humility, such that Avram and Sarai had, such that Yeshua, our Mashiach, had. We love you and we praise you and we pray all this in the name of Yeshua, our Mashiach. Vimru. Hallelujah.